This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Every time I go to the supermarket, Claire, I think about doing a News Club episode about supermarkets because you're thinking about the price, you're thinking about the service, and it is a big conversation in news. And Kate, I don't know if you've heard, but we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis as well. So these things are very much in focus. That is true. It's kind of the barbecue stopper of our time. How much does your shop cost? I reckon a lot of people listening would have stories of their own. Oh, totally. I've got heaps of stories, but we're not here to listen to those. Supermarket (laughs) retailing is interesting full stop. Mm. What they offer, the prices they charge, how they work with suppliers. So this issue really is at the intersection of consumers and politics. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. And this is News Club, the place to go for conversations about the news. The context, Claire, go. (laughs) Thank you so much. Is this my podcast now? This is your part of the podcast. I'll just talk. (laughs) We'll see where we land. Uh, Look, the pressure really started to build on the supermarkets late last year when we're looking at this latest chapter. Mm. Uh, And the Albanese government then announced a review of the food and grocery sector. In January, we learned that that's going to be headed by the former Labor Minister, Craig Emerson. That was big news in January because there were farmers out and about talking in the media about the prices, what they were being paid versus what consumers were paying over that Christmas break. A big difference, it seemed, in the farm gate price and what consumers are being charged. That's the big context. That's just sort of the start of it, though. You told me six inquiries are currently up and running. Six inquiries up and running. The ACCC has one, the Treasury has two, the Senate has two, and the House of Reps has one, not to be forgotten about. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're looking at the issues of competition, prices, and just getting good outcomes for consumers. Yeah, one inquiry commissioned by the Australian Council of Trade Unions and run by former ACCC chairman Alan Fells has wrapped up already. It covered a number of industries, but he included the supermarkets when he said that some of Australia's best-known businesses, this is the quote, have been able to leverage the disruptions and uncertainty that followed the COVID pandemic into unprecedented profitability. Which is to say there's been high inflation because COVID really sucked Mm. and everything got stuffed up and it's been really hard for consumers. But as those pressures have eased and the wheels of commerce have started to turn again, do you like that turn of phrase? Yeah, I like that. Uh, Some businesses haven't passed that on in lower prices or slowing down price increases. That's certainly the accusation. There's plenty of opinions on both sides of the fence. But, of course, this is why it feels like we can't go into the supermarket without spending a lot more than we did in sort of the recent past. I reckon that's a good scene, said Claire. Let's tell news clubbers now about our club picks. Three club picks this week. We've sort of been doing them in threes. Um, This first one, yes, you do. We've told people that already, so I don't know how we're (laughs) going to ever get away from that, but I'm sure there'll be a time when we have two club picks. Such a good device. Or four. Oh, God, that's going to really rattle my brain. Maybe when you're on leave. (laughs) Um, But there's a really good graph, first of all, on the supermarket market share in Australia. This is a conversation about competition at its core. Yeah, it really is. It's at the backbone of exactly how this is working and where the pressures are. Uh, Of course, it's a really good thing to know how big is Woolworths, how big is Coles, how big are the independents, and importantly, how big is Audi. So that graph covers all of that. We will talk to that graph in the next part of the podcast. But our second pick 
is the Four Corners episode. Claire, I reckon by now a lot of people would have seen the clip of Brad Benducci, the CEO of Woolworths, walking out of an interview with journalist Angus Grigg as part of that program. We'll talk about that moment in our chat, but it was part of a bigger piece of journalism. Yeah, it really was. So Angus Grigg challenged Banducci when he said that the former ACCC boss Rod Sims wasn't qualified to comment on competition because he'd retired. That happened about 18 months ago or so. Banducci had a bit of a think about it on the spot and he wanted to retract that statement what he said about Sims, uh, and he asked that that bit come out, but Grigg said, nope, this is all on the record. Mm. That's the way these things work. Banducci said he'd had enough. He did later return, but that's probably not the bit many have seen. They've probably seen the bit of him getting out of his chair and walking away. And that's why we're recommending the full episode. If you have time, I think it's about 40, 43 minutes or something um, to sit down because there's a lot more in it than that. The PR of what then happened around Woolworths is uh, a big part of this conversation. It's certainly a news theme around it and we'll get into that in a bit later. But um, what it did, this program, is really set its sights on both Coles and Woolworths. It called into question whether or not there's enough competition in Australia's supermarkets. Yep, back to that graph. Mm -hmm. Let's look at market share. So those two things really do go in hand in hand, a good couple of things to understand, I think. Um, and when you look at that episode a little bit more about how they unpack these stories, there was a union representative, there was a cherry farmer who was cutting down his cherry trees because he's a supplier and says that he can't make a living out of it. Mm -hmm. There was also a former commercial trader who'd worked with Coles and Woolworths. Uh, the program said that they had trouble finding people and you could say, well, it's not a very compelling case against the supermarkets if you've only got a, three people, really, Ham, yeah, four people, handful of people that will go on the record. On the record. Mm. Uh, but that's just one way of looking at it, of course. Yeah, and I certainly said to you at the time that, oh, it was just a small number of people levelling claims against, you know, Woolies and Coles. Then I listened to um, Rod Sims himself on ABC Radio. He said, and this is the quote, you won't get current suppliers to talk. They're too scared of the commercial implications. He also said that we still need the facts. He said last night we saw a lot of anecdotes. So he sort of hedged his bets on, on both sides of the argument, I guess, and that he's looking to the ACCC review for that. One of those inquiries. Exactly right. And that is quite a factual review, that one. So just a bit about that. The ACCC is in charge of enforcing our consumer and competition laws. And if there's anything that they find in the course of this inquiry, for it to be actionable, they actually have to have proof. They mm. have to have data. They have to have evidence. They can't just have a string of unnamed tales, particularly people not putting their names to things. So there's a very factual element to their review and that's what Rod Sims would have been talking about. I think that review goes for the rest of the year. I think it's going to be they a very quick. They always go for a very uh, yeah. long time. I mean, if ones. you want the facts, you've got to spend a bit yeah. of time. <laughs> I guess. Exactly. But um, just to the point of this being a conversation that's going to be ongoing, these inquiries and these reviews, will the results of those will roll out mm. over the coming year. Um, we talked a lot about what people are saying about what's wrong with the supermarket sector, but you only have to go to one of our steamed newspapers here in Australia, the Australian Financial Review, to get a counterpoint. Yep. This final club pick was from the Financial Review. It was out on the 10th of January. We mentioned, of course, that these claims were out and about earlier this year. So it was kind of at that time. And this editorial, which other views of the paper's 
editors, mm-hmm. uh, they say it's all a bit of a beat-up. Yeah, what they do is point out the politics of this, that Labor is politically vulnerable when it comes to cost of living as an issue because he lives. So Coles and Woolworths are being publicly flogged as a diversionary attack, they say, and it's really, really, really strident. The whole thing is a populist furphy. <laughs> and that view about it being political mm. uh, is backed up by the polling. So at the start of this year, news poll found that 74% of voters identified cost of living pressures as a major thing for them, as the top priority for them when it comes to looking at our politicians. Uh, 80% said that the Albanese government is failing to address it. So mm. what the Financial Review says is just keep that in mind, that the government, which is heading into another electoral cycle, we're heading into an election in the next 12, 18 oh, months yeah. or so, there is definitely something for them in pointing to someone and saying you're to blame. You're the problem here. It also uh, says to keep in mind that Woolworths and Coles just five years ago were slammed for selling fresh food too cheaply and that that was bad for farmers. Kate, sometimes you can't win. Sometimes you can't win. (laughs) News certainly has a cycle and so does this issue. Let's chat. Claire, what we do in the chat part of the podcast is break it into three big themes. (laughs) Three again. It's getting a little bit, really. They're handy. I mean, the idea of this is that it's handy to consider these themes as you form a view on an issue, a news club issue. And where I think it's helpful to start is how the food and grocery market is shaped, just how big the players are. We've given you that graph. Now we promise to break down that graph. Yeah, and just to put it into words, what it says is that Woolworths has 37% market share, Coles has 28%. Audi, 10%. It's overtaken IGA, so those Mm. independent retailers, with 7%, and that leaves 18% with others. And just on the definitions, when we talk about consumption and market share, we're talking about grocery and food when it comes to Coles, Woolies, IGA and Aldi. Everything from washing detergent to wheat bix, milk, bread. Going to the supermarket and that's what you see. And that's where these other categories come in because you would know from your own shop sometimes you might go to a specialist butcher Mm. or you might go to a fishmonger or you might go to a fruit shop or the bakery or a convenience store to get some detergent. Most likely for me the bakery. The bakery, yeah, delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And just keep that in mind too, one dollar in every five that we spend goes to those smaller retailers. Nearly, yeah. Uh, Let's just take a step back even further with our total spending. So everything we earn and everything that we spend, 10% goes to those things, the food and grocery items. I feel like we need a little video on this. So there's like, you know, the market share of food and grocery, (laughs) that other is all those other things you might do. And then that's just 10% of total money that we spend. Yep. Gotcha. The big retailers bring this up all the time, this 10% thing. They say that it's a small part of what we spend our money on, but that governments and regulators really focus on it a lot. The reason they do that is because it's what's called non-discretionary spending. So we have to eat. Have to eat. You have to spend that money. Mm. So there is a real interest in making sure that there is competition in the market to keep prices low. Um, And they've worked very hard, of course, Coles and Woolworths, to be as big as they are. And being big means you're scrutinised and you're very public. It brings us neatly to our second point, and that's around profits. How much money are they making? 
Very good question, Kate Watson. So let's start with the Australian companies. Uh, Coles and Woolworths are listed on the stock exchange, so we know exactly how profitable they are. They have to report those numbers to their investors. You can dig into their financial reports if you'd like to, and you can find that information out Mm -hmm. for yourself. But squizzes, you'll be very happy to know. We've done that for you. Mm -hmm. Last financial year, Woolworths profit margin was 6%. So for every $100 that was spent with them, $6 goes to them in profit. Mm -hmm. And for Coles, that number was 4.8%. Metcash is also a listed company. Uh, It's the supply to the IGA stores. Um, They're owned by those independent owners. Its margin was 2.1%. We've mentioned those three players. We've also mentioned Audi. They don't have to report. They don't have to report. They're German-owned and they're not required to report that number to the Australian market. So we'd have to look at their total global revenue you can't to get pull a sense, it out. but it's very difficult to pull it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other thing to note, just listening to what the financial review has said in recent days, is that now that we've got Woolworths numbers and we've recently got Qantas numbers as well, just keep in mind the sectors and how different they are. <gasps> you are giving a spoiler to my final <laughs> thought. Oh, am I? <laughs> you okay. sure are, but keep going. Qantas's profit number, uh, its margin is 17%. Mm-hmm. So it sort of swings and roundabouts of all those companies that that have been under scrutiny, that comparison is quite real. I will talk about that comparison. Stay till the oh, end wow. to hear that. Um, but I guess <laughs> it, it, I guess from there we then talk about our market and what's available and mm. how many people we have and population. We're small, reduced competition, so consumers are therefore paying more. The Financial Review as well also published some analysis which showed prices are up here in Australia, but they're up less than in Germany, the UK, New Zealand and the US. Yeah, the government though says that there's not a lot of transparency and that's what it comes down to for them, that retailers don't report on how much they pay that cherry farmer uh, and then getting a really tight number, that direct number of how much they're selling that good for. Mm -hmm. And that's something that our treasurer, Jim Chalmers, was asked about earlier this year. How could the government make sure that things are fair? He's not the first treasurer to be asked this question, Claire. This has been around before. There's been attempts at this. Prime Minister Kevin Rudd implemented something like an item by item overview through a website called Grocery Choice. Oh, Grocery Choice. I know you're desperate to talk about it. <laughs> it it was a I mean it was an epic failure. Yeah, it really was. And I like this quote from the then Consumer Affairs Minister Craig Emerson. He's the guy who's currently undertaking that review of the Food and Grocery Code. What he says is The fact is that Australia, there are thousands of supermarkets and even more thousands of grocery items. The information required would have been enormous and it's just not feasible in my view. So it's not possible to actually track item by item really in real time? In real time with the retailers having to report that number to a government, for example. Yeah, it doesn't move that fast. The wheels don't turn that quickly, I guess. Not for government, but they really do for the retailers. Yeah. So how this moves forward, there's been talk of breaking up Coles and Woolworths to inject more competition in the market. It's all speculation about what might be done now. Mm. Anthony Albanese, though, last week said that's not an option. We're not the Soviet Union, was the quote. (laughs) He said what we can do is encourage more competitors into the market. So that might be a little sneak peek of where he might be going and where his thinking might be going. We're at the third talking point, Claire. Ching, ching. (laughs) And that's how on earth Woolies got itself all tangled up last week because this is not just about them, but it's sort of become about them. Yeah, and it's what we talked a lot about. How on earth did that series of events unfold where Mm. you've got four corners and then you've got 
Woolworths reporting its numbers and Brad Banducci, who we talked about before, uh, the CEO, saying that he was retiring. It all looked very messy around Mm. that period. So uh, I guess I should declare in my former life, I was the person that Angus Grigg would have been talking to at Woolworths. That is right. I was the Director of Communications. If Uh, anyone's seen the clip, someone comes and takes Brad and moves him away, (laughs) that would have been Claire. And then I would have been the person too of typing the little press release out and managing the media on his retirement. So yeah, I was pretty happy not to be there last year. Last week, I was happy to be doing my own thing with the squiz. So, <laughs> and look, I have no idea what happened. I, I should really say that. I, you just can't decipher these things from the outside. No, you can't, but there's some structural things to what happened that is notable. You mentioned his retirement. We'll get into that. The first is that there are a few things that would have been known to Woolworths for several months, weeks, I mean days. Certainly days, yeah. yeah. The first is that Banducci was retiring. Yeah, exactly right. And timing that decision-making to announcements at the half-year results on Wednesday last week would have been a discussion that they would have had. Mm. Um, Of course, those results and Banducci's retirement is what's called market-sensitive information. They're the sorts of things that can move the share price. Mm -hmm. So that process would have been wrapped up formally on Tuesday night last week. The episode was out on Monday night. They would have also known what was in the episode. Because they would have taped they that would have weeks ago. Retaped that weeks, weeks ago. Why Tuesday night? So Tuesday night the board would make that decision about exactly that Banducci was retiring, that there's a replacement for him and what their results are because at 4.30 the ASX closes, mm-hmm. the stock market closes. So they would meet at about 4.31 and they would make those decisions because they have to do that and inform the market straight away. The market's closed. They don't have to inform it until 8.30 the next morning. Yeah, gotcha. It's important because you make a decision, you start telling people and all of a sudden people might want to make a buck. They can start trading on the market. So our listed companies have a very a very serious obligation to ensure the market is appropriately informed. Yeah, exactly. So that's Banducci's retirement. Then we have the Four Corners interview to go through. Again, as you said, Kate, taped days ago, maybe even weeks ago, Woolworths would have known, we're assuming that they knew anyway, that the date it was going to air and then the reaction that would come from that. And then two days later that Brad Banducci was retiring. So there was a chance, a very strong chance that those two things would be conflated, that he's done a bad interview and he's retired And our results are coming out. And our results are coming out. I mean, we really don't know. That's your assumption as someone who's worked there and it's been replicated lots in the commentary. You're not the only one that's kind of puzzled as to why all of this was done within three days of each other. The big question is why Banducci lost his patience as well, Claire, clearly frustrated by the constant reference to Rod Sims. And Sims, as a former ACCC chairman, went really hard on the supermarkets, not just on this big issue about market share and competition, but also on very specific examples. Mm. So the ACCC really had a view around pushing smaller competitors out of the market and not treating suppliers well, particularly farmers. That was a real conversation. So perhaps a bit of a trigger for Banducci. I reckon it might have been. Certainly uh, Rod Sims was someone who was very front and centre in all of that. Um, After he questioned Sims' opinion on the current state of play on the basis that he's been retired for a bit, he did try to walk it back. But Mm. Greg said, no, it's on the record and that was that. So perhaps a bit of a trigger for Banducci and, of course, for his part, He's a CEO of a major private business in Australia. His job is to make it profitable and to 
have a good business. Yeah, exactly right. That's what the shareholders demand. All in all, a very big week for Woolies. Our poll this week, Claire, in the News Club newsletter was, do you think supermarkets have everyone's best interest at heart? Big question. Does anyone have everyone's best interest at heart? I guess it's an interesting question. (laughs) Well, and how people responded immediately, it was very even, 33% yes, 33% no, 33% it's complicated. That very quickly shifted to no, they don't have everyone's best interests at heart. And we had, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of comments about this. It was about 70%-ish that said no, Uh, a more generous perhaps 25% said that it's complicated and there was about 5% that said yes, they do. Just to read out a few of the comments we had. So for example, those saying no, it ranged from comments like, of course they don't. Their priority is the shareholder, not through any evil outlook. It's their legal obligation. We've also had people saying, no, we have a beef cattle farm. The price per kilo on cows has dropped significantly this year. My question is, why is steak still so expensive? Another no, I find it hard to believe the actual cost is that high when they run 50% off specials on the regular. Another one, supermarkets are a business, not a community service. It's their job to make money. Yeah, it's their job to make money. And in that Four Corners episode, there was a bit of a case that was made about why they need to make money, which is that they need to have those resources to be able to grow and to do more. Moving into the it's complicated category, quite a few squizzes mentioned that point. Uh, also that our small population tends to favour those sort of sectors and there's a few players in the market. When you look at the banks, there's four main players. When you look at telco, just a couple of main players. Uh, a couple of squizzes also had an interesting point that many Australians are consumers and shareholders of these very big supermarkets. And that's because if you do some analysis on our superannuation funds, most of us are actually shareholders in those companies through our superannuation. So we really do have a vested interest in them doing well. And then we have those on the yes side, uh, this comment, kept us safe and fed during the pandemic, 3 to 5% profit margin, hardly eye-watering is it, massive beat up in the media. Claire, final thoughts. I promised I would talk a little bit about Qantas. I listened to Elizabeth Knight, um, a journalist, a business journalist from the Nine Papers uh, on a podcast, and she mused about the comparison that's drawn between Qantas and Virgin and Woolworths and Coles. Yeah. And both of them, you know, a duopoly, as they say. She pointed out that whilst consumers might be cranky about pricing in our supermarkets, they're not cranky about service and Mm. service levels. And that's where it's a little bit different. So with Qantas and Virgin, it's a lot about service. It's a lot about whether flights are on time. It's a lot about the whole package. Whereas with Woolies and Coles, it is really just around pricing. Yeah. And of course, I think probably when you're paying a lot for an airline ticket and expect certain things Mm. uh, compared to going into your Woolies and Coles store and basically what you want is there. Mm. Um, And they have up and downs when it comes to those customer service things as well. But yeah, isn't Qantas and Virgin very much in focus about that at the moment? I feel like maybe there's a news club coming on Qantas and Virgin at some point. She also talked a little bit about uh, the shift we've seen to having to do good business uh, like mm. good and being a good citizen, mm. and that tension between doing that and being a profitable 
successful business and whether that's actually possible. And I, I don't have a view on that, but certainly that would be something that's constantly debated in these big companies. Well, and that leads in very nicely to my final thought, Kate, Great. which is that I had a listen on the weekend to the Chanticleer podcast, which again is the financial review. Mm. Uh, it's one of their premium columns where they really get into the nuts and bolts of business. It's it's quite pointy-headed stuff. But mm-hmm. what they were talking about was Brad Banducci was one of the co-captains of Team Australia in the COVID period, In the of pandemic, course. yeah. Um, of course, there was a big period of time where none of us could go anywhere except the supermarket mm. and they managed to keep the wheels turning. So they were just reflecting on how do you go from that to a really bad week, years and years of work yeah. to a really bad week and whether that will cast a shadow over things to come as he gets ready to exit that business in September. Similarly, during the bushfires, yeah. natural disasters, things like that, um, people spoke very highly of our supermarkets and how they helped. Mm. Um, Amanda Bardwell is his replacement. She starts in September. Yeah, exactly right. She is someone who got her first job working in a supermarket when she was 14 Mm. uh, as, of course, one of those after-school sort of jobs. And she's been with Woolworths for a very long time. Her expertise are in the digital part of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, online shopping now is bigger than it's ever been. Um, Something like about 15% of all of Woolworths revenue comes from online, which is a really big uptake. Again, COVID had a big bit to do with that. So she is well positioned to understand what the future of the business might be. So we'll have a woman running Coles and a woman running Woolworths by the end of the year. Exactly right. That's our episode of News Club this week. Thank you for listening. As always, jump on our Instagram channel for lots more material, anything we've talked about on here will all be there at the Squeeze News Club. And we'll be back on Saturday with the weekly wrap. 